not even anywhere no, near the no. top or bottom. No, okay. no, no, no. Good. No. Good. No. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start the music right now. No. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and well, that's pretty much it. So uh let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into our fearless beer review. Uh, we get into our vinyl pickups that leads into the songs of the week. And then we round it out with some new music and other happenings in the music world. My name is Tyler. And way out there, hundreds of miles away, is Jeff. Uh, while you're listening, go to uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Give us five stars on there. Please, please go do that. Uh, social media is all at Asinine Radio. We have a Discord server. If you want to join that, hang out with us, talk shit on each other. Um, we'll send you the link for that. Head us up for that. And then we also have a phone number. You can call, leave us a voicemail, a snotty voicemail if you want. Send us uh, threatening text messages. The phone number is 503-893-5307. So get into that. And uh, now that we have all the boring intros out of the way, we can get right into our fearless beer review. So what do you got, Jeff? Go. So I got... <laughs> oh, God. I just saw Raoul left a, a review for my beer. It's so good. Ooh. <laughs> I got 805, but it's their Cerveza brand. So it's, it's 805, but it's their Mexican lager thing that they did. Okay. Lime adjuncts here because it's brewed with, with lime. And this is um, Firestone Walker. This is Central Central California, right? We went there. It was Central Central. California. Yeah, we went there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Firestone. Yeah. Pretty much, if you're not like if you're not like Orange County in a little bit of LA County, and then all the way up to <laughs> Frisco County, you're Central California. I don't <laughs> give a fuck. I even think like Vin- Ventura to me is like, dude, this is too far. Santa Barbara. Yeah. yeah. Dude, you're, dude you're Santa central, Barbara. Central. No, that's San- that's Central California <laughs> all day long for sure. So yeah, yeah, this is uh, Firestone Walker. They make really good beers. We've had 805, which is a solid beer. It's it's 805 on its own is one of those beers that I will get at a bar if I can't find anything else because I know it's good. It's not great. It's a solid lager. Not a big deal. But we've had it fresh. Like We've had it fresh straight from the brewery that was brewed like days before, like maybe even the yep. same day. It was fantastic. It was great. But this is their Cerveza. This is their, their 805 brewed with lime, essentially. And um, that's what I got. My little sixer of this. Oof. Brewed with lime. I don't know how I feel about that one. I'm not even going to add lime to this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take well, it straight. Straight why would no you chaser, baby. Why would you need to? It already has lime in it. That's silly boy talk. Well, you never It's already a lime. silly beer. It's already a silly beer. Oh but, uh, okay, so what I have here is, uh, is from a brewery from Nevada uh, here in the United States. If you don't know where that is, look on a map. Uh, it's from a brewery called Lead Dog Brewing. I don't think I've ever had anything on here. If I had, if I had, or maybe I have, I don't know. I really don't know. Hell, maybe I've even had this beer. It's called uh, Intergalactic. It's a Northeastern um, double IPA. It is 8.7 or 8.2% ABV. It, uh, it pours out very clean though. Very, um, not dark. And I guess it's a hazy. Actually, yeah, it says it's a, it's a double hazy <laughs> IPA. 
So there's that. I actually didn't want a hazy, but whatever. I guess the the can lie to me. Northeastern, um, New England, the same. You know, it's the same fucking thing. Oh, I meant to say I meant to say New England, not Northeast. I don't know why I said Northeastern. Why did I say Northeastern? Well, New England's kind of in the thing, Northeast. Anyway. Yeah, it's the same thing. Whatever. Yeah. Um, it says that this is also uh, the IBU is forty. So there you go. Uh, it says also that it was brewed on the front yard of the amazing Lake Tahoe. Lead Dog Brewing, founded in 2016, is located in the heart of Reno's brewery district. We pride ourselves on producing world-class beers and a unique drinking experience. Uh, Reno sucks. Like. I don't know. Reno? I'd be proud of being from Reno, yeah. I've been to Reno once, and I don't care for that city. I've never been, nor do I ever, like, really care about going. Yeah, I mean, it is the biggest little city in the world, but I don't know. Is that Um, what it's called? Is that what they say? Yeah, that's that's its its slogan. Who the The fuck would go to Reno Reno over Vegas? Like, that's what Reno does. (laughs) It tries to build itself up. Like, you're never going to be Vegas, dude. Like, Stop. Not even close. Not even close. Do something else. It's like it's like a place you go on the way to Lake Tahoe. Maybe for like the night. Like you're so tired you don't want to go up into Lake Tahoe. So we'll just stay in Reno. That's <laughs> what it is. Stupid. It's a stupid city. But uh but yeah. So you ready to uh to drink? Start this night? I mean I haven't I haven't opened it yet, but yeah. Okay, well this is fun. I'm having a blast already. Tell me when you're ready. Oh you're, oh you ready? Like what well, I no, hold on, my god. I opened it. I'm talking about what I'm doing. All right, now I'm ready. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Ooh, that was a good click. That was a really good one. All right. Oh. This is this is oh, this is a little weird one, then. Eh? What 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 are you uh, what are your thoughts on your beer? Uh, and then after that, you'll give your rating uh, from our world famous three point rating system, where three is a perfect beer, two is a good beer. You're going to continue to drink. One is a bad beer, but you should give it a shot. And zero is a drain pour. So what do you got on your Jeff? On yours, Jeff? Go. Honestly, like there's not a lot of lime flavor that comes through here. It's very, very, very subtle. It's almost non-existent. If you didn't know there was a lime, if it was, if you didn't know that it was brewed with lime, you probably would not even pick up on it. Mm-hmm. So I wish there was more, but I definitely get like the Corona without a lime taste to this. Because if you've had a Corona without a lime, which Corona is just shit. It's just trash beer, <laughs> like straight up. Lime is added to it to make it tolerable. So, like, if you've had a Corona <laughs> without a lime, then you kind of know what I'm talking about here. It's just a really trash, skunky, disgusting, unbalanced lager. But this is just like a better Corona without a lime. So, huh. I see what they're going for. Right. I get it. I enjoy it. I respect it. But um, there's, I mean, there's no reason why I'm not just going to buy corona light half the price of this one makes sense makes sense just throw your own limbs in yeah yeah so it's 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 fine i'd I'd give it a a, a fucking give it a two right no i wouldn't give it a two i mean i would give it a two because i have five more of them but you would like if you were to go to a brewery that doesn't sell you know cheap beer like you know your big beers you would get that so it's a two so if I went to a brewery that didn't have a good stout, okay, not going to happen, and they didn't have any kind of like super light lager or a blonde or anything super, super light, then yeah, this would be my fourth, fifth, sixth option. So with that, I give it like a 1.99 with a little bar right. above the nine to go in Divinity. Yeah, not quite a two. 
Like for instance, the other night, two, man, just give the, it a two. The other night, I went to the downtown area for like a neighbor's bachelor party, and we went to oh, a lot yeah. of bars that had a lot of really good stouts. And I had a lot of really really good stouts, but everybody else I was with was really into whiskey. So they were getting a lot of really expensive whiskeys. And I tried a lot of really expensive whiskeys. Still don't get it. Still not my thing. But like the stouts, <laughs> like the stouts I was drinking were 10 to 15% stouts. But in between stouts, I'm drinking Michelob's with limes. And one of the guys was like, like, why do you go from stout to Michelob? Because like, first of all, bro, I'm not made of fucking money. Like I'm not going to get stout after stout <laughs> after stout because it's too expensive. And second of all, like, I'm going to get fucked up drinking 12%, 13% stouts <laughs> right after. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to be able to last. So no, I get mid-globe because it's $3. Not not made of money, but, you know, we'll go and spend all this stuff on Weezer Records today. That's what we do, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I have the same jacket for the past, you know, 12 years. I won't yeah, buy a new jacket. Stupid-ass Oregon jacket. Dude, I, 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 there's, you know, you got to pick and choose your battles. You got to pick and choose your battles. So we'll yeah, get to, true. we'll get that's to, true. we'll get to what we spent later on during the record talk, but you got to pick and choose your battles. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you gave it a two. Um, no, I get one point nine nine nine. Okay, so, so my, uh, my intergalactic IPA is, uh, it's good. It, it's, uh, it has a very weird aftertaste. I've never, I've never tasted before. It's sweet, but it, it's almost like. It's almost like when you, after you eat a bowl of cereal and you drink the milk that's left, it's like that kind of sweetness. Like, I'm not sure if I like, if I like it or not. I don't, I'm not sure if I like the aftertaste. I like the initial hit of it all, but that aftertaste is is kind of a, it might kill it for me. I don't know. I, I can't, can't figure it out. Uh, but I will finish this one. It's definitely not a drain pour, but I'm, at this point, I'm going to have to give this a 1.75. Ooh. Yeah. It's not very boozy, which is nice, but. It's that aftertaste. I can't figure out what it is, but the closest thing I can, like I said, the closest thing I could compare it to is is like milk after you eat cereal. That's it. Which is, I mean, but that's like, that's a tough comparison to make because milk, for me at least, is fucking disgusting. I've never liked Mm -hmm. milk. It's just nasty. I like hometown buffets, chocolate milk, but like milk is just gross because it's it's thick. The texture of it's nasty. Oh, it's so good. Milk is just fucking gross. But like the cereal after the milk, I've never been one to drink it. I don't drink. Like if I have a bunch of milk left over in the cereal, even my favorite cereals, I won't drink the milk. I have to have cereal. So Even to, like Coco, Cocoa Puffs? I love Cocoa or, Puffs, but Cocoa Puffs aren't even a top five cereal for me. So no, Yeah, but I when won't. you eat, the, eat it, I mean, it's chocolate milk. I mean, it's, it's thin chocolate milk. I'm more of like a true moo guy. Like, I want my chocolate milk. I, like, I don't even like chocolate, but if I'm going to drink chocolate milk, like, you better fucking murder that shit with chocolate. I want it thick. I want it <laughs> coagulating inside my mouth. I want chocolate but milk. But you just said you don't like thick milk. I know. And only, like, chocolate milk. Again, only hometown chocolate buffet, milk. chocolate milk. I love that chocolate milk because it's the fucking best chocolate milk ever in my life. It's delicious. <laughs> but I don't know. The milk after cereal you- doesn't capture me. Have you ever had whole milk? Like a glass of whole milk? No, I've only had 2% in buttermilk. Never. That's it. And buttermilk was by accident. <laughs> the buttermilk was accidental. Yeah, that's right. And I ended up throwing it in a, in a lampshade. Or no, in a chandelier. On the chandelier. chandelier. Yeah. Uh-huh. Deep cut, baby. That was so funny. So funny. Um, okay, yeah. So, yeah, I gave it mine a 1.75. You gave yours a 1.99 times infinity. And uh, yeah, let's. You, oh, Raul, he mm-hmm. left a, a review go. for years. He, I, I have no review, so so what do you got? So, 
Raul gave it a 3.75 out of 5. This was this was recent. He says, well, here Raul is, it's 2021. Dodgers are World Series champions. The world is a bit chaotic. And I'm at home drinking a lime-flavored beer. Yeah, I guess that sounds about right. To be honest, though, I don't know if I'm down with added flavors and such. Like, like Starlight from Spearmint Rhino tastes fine on her own. So why add like whipped cream? Now whipped cream isn't bad, but I guess it's just a bit messy. Don't go off track, Raul. Dot dot dot. <laughs> Memories. And like for those of you outside of California, oh, or God. maybe I don't know how global Spearmint Rhino is, but this is a. Uh, it's. I wouldn't say it's like a shitty strip club. It's just like, I don't know. It's it, a full nude strip club, so you can't have drinks there. It's just a strip club that. Spearmint Rhino, like, come on, the fucking name of it. Like, you don't expect much. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I will say, when you're driving through L.A., like any one of the many freeways through L.A. County, you will see at least 10 or 12 billboards, Spearmint Rhino billboards, like, without a doubt. They're fucking everywhere, all over L.A. (sighs) It's stupid. I've I've never been to a Spearmint Rhino. Have you? No, I've only been to, like... Two, maybe three, maybe not, probably just two, just taboo and maybe one other one. <laughs> maybe not even man, that. Talk about an overrated, an overrated thing, man. I just, I don't get strip clubs. But like Angels, though, because Angels was just a, a topless only. It was, yeah, they, it was topless. They, but they yeah. served alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the full nudes, yeah, they don't, they don't serve shit. Like, why am I even fucking there? I know, right? Like, now I'm just spending money for nothing in return. <laughs> I could just it's, go online, you know. Yeah, it's silly boy talk. Like now, I'm just wasting yeah. money. At, at least if you have alcohol, I can at least get a little bit of a buzz going. You know, call it a day. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. So, we have anything uh, left on the beers? No, that is uh, that is it. That's it. That's all. That's it. All right. So let's get into uh, what we picked up uh, vinyl wise. What we listened to. Uh, so what do you got? Go. Oh, first thing here. First thing here. As I got uh, fly by night. By the rushes, really? Yeah, you you have this one because uh, yeah, I, I, I it. sold it to you, and yeah. you know it's it's weird because like Rush, I've listened to so much Rush just because I want to get into them, I want to love them, I want to like them, and there's a lot to like about them, but there's also still a lot that I don't like about Rush that I think is kind of obnoxious, but for whatever reason, I come across a lot of Rush, and this was like another free fucking record that I got. So I, 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 I was just like, you know what? I'm just actually going to get into it. And this stemmed back a couple of weeks ago to the old or to the other record show that I went to where I picked up 2112. Mm-hmm. I actually paid for that one, you know, $7, but I paid for it. And Sweet. I said, you know what? I'm just going to do, I'm going to get in a rush. I'm going to see if I like them or not. I hear their songs in a lot of movies and, and, and things. So I like what I hear. Tom Sawyer's a dope fucking song. So so yeah, here I am, fly by night. Terrible album cover. I know you like it, but I it's like garbage. It. <laughs> it's fucking trash. I love it. It's like one I of the worst album, album cover. covers I've ever fucking <laughs> seen in my life. It's so ugly. It's so dumb. Oh, oh, it's terrible. It's so good. I love it. Everyone listening, go look it up if you if you've never seen it. It's and this so cool. is this is kind of like essentially Rush's first album because this is their second album in their discography. But it's the first one with yeah. Neil. Like this is the first one they got their new drummer. And they had auditioned a bunch of other drummers, and then they felt that he was like the best fit. So, this is kind of like the first one where they get really, really overly complicated, and it kind of—I don't know—like, like, like 
Neil took over as 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 like the lyricist, and so like the lyrics are very fantasy like and kind of philosophical at times. And so the entire album is very very up its own ass. But luckily, <laughs> like they they pull it off. They they don't fuck around. Like they don't they don't get up their own ass and talk about just bullshit. They get up their own ass, talk about bullshit, and back it up by crazy instrumentals. And it's this is almost like I, I almost feel it's like it's like it's like Alex and Getty Lee battling Neil for like being the front man of the band because <laughs> at times like Neil is just going stupid fucking crazy on the drums and then Getty and, and Alex, the, the guitarists, are just kind of in the background laying down rhythms. But then other times it's just like Neil laying down a rhythm and then Getty and Alex are playing off each other while adding minimal vocals, which is really nice. And just going yeah, off these yeah. crazy tangents that are very complicated, but still, like I just, I, I really, I really, really could do without Getty's vocals. I really could. I just, mm. I agree. I, mm. I think. I mean, it's the weakest part of the band for sure. It's still iconic. You yeah. know what I mean. I understand his so. purpose. Like you've got to have vocals in a band like this. You, you, you're never gonna get anywhere just being a straight prog band with no vocals. It's just not gonna happen. So I understand. Yeah, you're not like, gonna make the, a lot of money. I, yeah, like I understand like the need for it. it. It's it's there to kind of just fill space. I, there was a band that we talked about recently that you, you don't like the vocals for, but you like the band. I can't remember what it was. Mm, what was, was like a, maybe it was like last week or the week before. Oh, it was uh, Grateful Dead. There you go. Easy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Jerry Garcia. Trash yeah, vocals. Like, yeah, like, well, I mean, <laughs> he's not trash. Like, like well, he's, not, he's not good. He's not bad. He's just there to fill space. Giddy Lee's not good or bad. He's just there to fill space. That's it. Yeah, at least he has a signature sound. Like Jerry has nothing. Like talk about like even more. I mean, even more vanilla than Dave Grohl. Come on, Jerry. Well, is, but like Grateful Dead has never prided themselves on writing like like melodic stuff. Yeah, some of their most melodic no, songs that. are you know like Casey Jones. Like you know Casey Jones. You know a lot of these songs, but eh, I mean that's not why they're a I band. Understand that. Same oh, with Rush, but like Rush, like like I think I feel like Getty Lee really tries to be a lead singer, but also tries to be a really really great prog bass player, and I think that kind of push and pull within himself is one of the reasons why I never really got into Rush, is because it's like mm-hmm. okay, are you trying to be a really really great prog band? Like you know Chris Squire, bro. Like Chris Squire is squirrely, <laughs> he's all up and down. I get it. Getty Lee is just as good. He's really really yeah. fantastic, but then like why try and sing? Why not just have a guy up there like David Lee Roth just to be a really great front man, sing sometimes, shut his mouth the other times, and call it a day? But then what is he going to do for 10 minutes, you know? Sit down. I mean, I'm sure David Lee Roth would do something insane, but... Yeah, just sit down. You don't have to... (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) But yeah, that's, uh, that's, you know, that's Rush Fly By Night. It's good. All right. Cool, cool. I'm glad glad you're becoming a Rushman, finally. This This is now my... This is now my third Rush album that I have in my collection. What, do you have Moving Pictures as well? I have Moving Pictures, I have 2112, and now I have this one. Fly by Night. Okay, that's and solid. I know I know. at some point I will get more. Just <laughs> Arizona's been real good to me with, with free records, so I know at some yeah. point I will get another one. But I'm not opposed to selling four. Like if I get one more Rush album... I'm not opposed to mm-hmm. selling all four Rush albums on eBay and making, you know, 50, 60 bucks and then buying something. Because you'll really, know really you'll, more. yeah. But then you also know that 
they'll cycle through again. Exactly. With your whole system. Not yeah. not not saying it's bad or anything. I just know that I'll this is like the third time I've had this album. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty crazy. It's pretty It nice. is. It, uh, so like I just I I take it when, for granted um, so much. When Farewell to Kings comes through your your cycle, give that one a spin. That's a really good one. And that's the one that Primus is on tour with right now. They're they're playing that record in its entirety. So, it's pretty Farewell cool. to Kings is it Farewell to Kings? Yeah, Farewell to Kings is the one that has one of their most popular, close, uh, Closer to the Heart. Mm, yeah, Closer to the Heart. Yeah, that's on Farewell to Kings. That's the one yeah, that... Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. That kind of like got me back into it because I was watching I Love You, Man, and they played that song just in some capacity. But yeah, yeah. Farewell, Farewell to Kings, I want to revisit, and then Hemispheres because I've mm-hmm. had both of these ones. Oh, Hemispheres is really good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hemispheres is a good one. Because Hemispheres has that, it's just one side, because like Friend of the Pod, Mickey loves Hemispheres a lot. And the first side is just a 20-minute one-song thing. And it's it's <laughs> it's really good instrumentally. It really, really is good. It's just, again. Yeah. Well, it's it's part of, well, so the end of Fair, the there's two songs. Well, I mean, there's one song. It's Cygnus. And then the first part of it is on Farewell to Kings. And then the second part of Cygnus is the first song that you're talking about on Hemispheres. But, yeah, I, th- I think what it was was Hemispheres came out before Farewell to Kings. So the second part came out before the first part, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was something weird like that. Yeah, it, it came out like in a weird order. I think we even talked about it on the pod a long time ago. But, yeah, Hemispheres is a solid record, too. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't hate Rush. I just don't, I don't think, I don't know. It, it's hard because those are just very obnoxious vocals. They really are. All right, so what else you got? Uh, next thing I got is your boy. Your boy over here, Johnny Smith. Oh, you finally listened to that one. Is that I the, got, the covers one? I got through both albums two times. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Is so that the, a bad thing? So the first one is essentially just a covers album. And it's it's, yeah. it's it's him doing a lot of Beatles covers, and I think it's just Johnny Smith, Johnny Smith, and yeah, um, so. that's that one. The other one I got, I can't remember the fuck the was name it the, was the blue the blue man or wait, which one did you, I don't forgot which one man? I gave which one I got you. I totally forgot which one I got. No, you. yeah, you're right. It was the man in the blue guitar. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, people right now. Saying. Yeah, so it was Johnny Smith, Johnny Smith. Both of them like like '60s era Johnny Smith. And I like I think he's great. I think he's a fantastic guitarist. I think he has he has sort of kind of like a like a West Montgomery meets Chet Atkins way about him, where he can groove hard like Chet Atkins can, but he can kind mm-hmm. of still keep it mellow and melancholy the way like West Montgomery could. So he has a really good style to him. However, like I, I'm gonna purge one of these because I don't need this much Johnny Johnny Smith in my album or my collection. I mean, I figured you would purge the covers one. The covers one I'm gonna keep. What? The covers one I think the guitar playing is better in the covers one. I think he I think well, because he has source material, he gets a little bit a little bit more a little more creative with what he's laying down. The other one I the the other one is only him. There's no other instrument. It's only guitar. Yeah. So the, I okay. I understand that. I understand that. Okay. I'm not gonna hate you too much. But okay, that's fine. That's fine. This is. Okay. I mean, I I have so much. Like I've just I have so many guitarists in my jazz collection. That's where this guy's gonna go. He's gonna go right in my jazz collection. 
And I have a mm. lot of other like jazz guitarists that are just as great that are phenomenal. It's just, um, I mean, like if I ever, if I see more Johnny Smith in the wild, I'll still buy him because they're cheap enough to where I can find that perfect Johnny Smith album that I want to keep like the best of the best of the best. And so yeah. if I keep seeing him, I will keep buying it. Even if it's seven, eight dollars in hopes that I can just keep one really, really, really good Johnny Smith album, which I'm fine. Yeah, with. I mean, I've never, I've never seen them more than twelve dollars, ever, and they've, and none of them have ever been repressed. So my next question to you is, how did it sound? Did it have, how was the surface noise? Were there any issues, quality wise? Quality wise? No, I thought it sounded great. I mean, he's not. He doesn't rip it up. There's no like distortion, so there's there's nothing to hide. A lot of like the the, the nuance to playing a, a clean guitar channel. There's 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 yeah. nothing to hide like a lot of the noises if you fuck up. And so even with surface noise, which was super super minimal, I mean the records sounded okay, fantastic. Good. They sounded absolutely amazing. And these are records that are you know seventy years old almost. Like they're they're very very yeah. old. Came out in the fifties and early sixties. So these are old records. They sound great. And I really did like it a lot. I mean, I don't like the song by the Beatles, Michelle, but fuck, man, for whatever reason, when he played it, like I was, I was into, I was all in. I was, I was singing he it. He does do cool things, right? God, like playing, I love like, it. And then I went back so and listened to good. Michelle by the Beatles and I still didn't like it. What the fuck? I don't like this song that much. It's not <laughs> that great of a song. But damn, when he did it, it just had such a swing to it. It was so like robust when he when he came into the Michelle part and like the little material, yeah. like those like down parts that were just God, he did such a great job at it. But yeah, I mean it's 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 almost all covers. And the girl from Ipanema. Uh, such an overplayed song. It, it's I mean, whatever, dude. Whatever. I don't really don't care. It's too a good much song, it but it's it's so much. We've heard it so many times. And it's crazy. Like we've only been doing this for a couple of years. And like realistically, maybe I've heard that song once in my life before that, if I can even think of a time that I've heard it. But since yeah. we've been collecting, like we've heard that song a hundred times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know. For whatever that's worth, I guess. I will say out of all the Johnny Smith records I have, the two you have are my least favorites. I think they're his worst. <laughs> really? Not to say that they're bad. Yeah. Not to say that they're bad at all because they're not, but they are my least favorite Johnny Smith. And they're the ones I go back to the least because I never like you. I never really come across Johnny Smith. And when I do, I buy it for myself. And literally the only time I've ever come across him are the two records I got for you. That's it. Like he's so hard to come by. And I, I search him out. Like I will dig and dig in jazz. Like I'll go, I'll go underneath the, I'll go into the boxes underneath the shelves. Like if if I know there's like a box of jazz, I will go in there looking specifically for Johnny Smith. I will ask the the store clerk or the owner, "Do you have any Johnny Smith?" And like, I've never heard of him. And then they look him up on Discogs, like like Desi did. He's like, "I've never heard of him." They looked him up, and he's like, "Uh, yeah, I don't want to be rude or anything, but uh, it's gonna be really cheap. He's not very popular." And I'm like, okay, like why would that offend me? But um, but yeah, he's he's hard to he's hard to find. Yeah, I but, I mean until you started talking about it, and that one day at, at at the record store too, like we like both of us were kind of digging for a while, and we found what like two, out of the two, yeah. thousands of, of 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 records <laughs> at that store, and they're yeah. both like four dollars. I know, it's crazy, crazy. It's shit. good stuff though, like digging that long for a four dollar record. I don't know that's that's cool. That's fun, especially when you know it's something you really like, 
oh man, what an, it's such a good feeling. I love it. I love Ooh. it. Okay. All right. So what else you got? Okay. So this next one I got, I got one more than my, my pick of the week, but the next one I got is the Grateful Deads. All of them, all Grateful Deads. This is their Fillmore West show <laughs> from the from '69. You, mm-hmm. uh, this is their. This was five discs, five LPs. You listened to this. You didn't like it. Um, I don't know why. Which <laughs> I, is fine. I liked it. Which I is listened fine. to all of it. I listened to three hours of Grateful Dead. It's a long time. It was a long. It was a lot of Grateful Dead. Yeah, a this lot was. Of flipping. This is this is like, like when you when you get into the Grateful Dead, there's there's that stage of of getting into the Grateful Dead. And then there's like the second stage of getting the Grateful Dead where you get into like their live stuff. The first stage is, is all studio albums. I was there. And like, again, I'm not like a deadhead where I've been a deadhead for generations. It's been like two years. But like I've progressed through these stages pretty damn fast. And the, the second stage was getting into their live stuff, recorded live stuff, like their, their main discography live stuff. And then like the third stage, I feel like where I'm at now is getting into like iconic shows that they played that are pressed to vinyl that are official, <laughs> not like bootlegs. Even though I feel like I'm still kind of past stage three into the bootleg part of, of Grateful Dead listening. But yeah, this one is uh, it's, it's live at Fillmore West in, the, in 1969. They did four shows back to back to back. It was February 27th, 28th, and then March 1st, March 2nd. And it was just four shows, four nights. And... As far as like like the psychedelic rock era, the jam band era of the Grateful Dead goes, this is this is kind of held up there to be like, yeah, if this is your favorite, this that's fine because it's really, really, really fucking good. Everything you want from this era of the Grateful Dead is here. I I love this era of the Grateful Dead. I do. I think it's fantastic. I think it's fucking perfect. However, I think in the eighties, when they kind of grew out of that phase, and they kind of got like adult problems rather than just being addicted to to LSD and, and partying when they got like into adult problems like diabetes and and alcohol issues and you know overweight issues I think that's when they really found their groove as a band and really kind of grew up so the 80s live shit is like really really good but this 1969 stuff is just fucking perfect and I have a, I have a five disc box set of, of I think it's their third show I think it's March 1st yeah, mm. it's your third show of, of this four night stay at the Filmer <laughs> West, and uh, dude, it's it's like what do you want? It's fucking perfect. It is so good. It's it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's fucking amazing. Like we're we're talking again. Like we're talking here. We're 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 Jerry's is laying down, like like some cool little riff. Bob Weir's in the back throwing down all these crazy chords. Phil Lesh is laying down these bass lines that seem like they don't even fit the song, but they all find each other at some point. There's two drummers. There's a keyboardist. This is when they still had Pigpen, their keyboards, before he died. And it's just like these guys are just kind of all in their own little world. And like Jerry like hones them in. He brings them all back and says, hey, listen to this riff real quick. He'll throw a riff and go into like Dark Star. He'll go into uh, St. Stephen's or something else. And he'll throw one little riff in just to get everybody's attention. And they'll keep jamming, jam, jam for like, but like that takes 10 minutes. But then he'll come back again. Like, hey, remember that riff I threw out 10 minutes ago? Let's start doing that now. And like fucking clockwork, dude, they get into it. They get into it. And there's, I mean, there's like 10% singing here. It's mostly just like a jam session that they do. And these guys. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Fuck, man. These guys like blend so well together. Honestly, dude, it's like whenever like we get together and jam, we could play the same fucking song 14 different times. 
for three hours like it le- legit it's just like that's how close knit these dudes are that they can play these songs yeah. and they, they love so dear but then like you can tell that jerry kind of leads the band i just i i love i love now listening to these little nuances where you can tell jerry's gonna go into dark star which dark star is like one of their most favorite things to play because they played it so many times this one is like i think 20 to 25 minutes long but you can hear him yeah. play dark star kind of like the the main riff to have everybody else recognize they're going to go into Dark Star, but he'll play it mm-hmm. five, six, seven, eight, almost ten minutes prior to that, and then they'll go off and do their thing, and then he'll play it again, and that's when they really get into it. And it's just, it, it's cool to see a band leader really rip it up on the guitar. And Jerry Garcia is such a fantastic guitarist, but so was Bob Weir. Like everybody in this band is just so amazing, and I, every time I listen to something different, or every time I listen to a different album by them, I pick up on something new. <laughs> it's it's unreal it truly is unreal i i agree it was it was great i i haven't gotten to that level yet i'm still really working on it i'm trying i'm trying but i i i'm not fully there yet like like just standard standard blues music right it's just hey now it's my turn to solo okay now we've done yeah we're done with those four bars now it's your turn to solo we're done with those four bars now it's the drummer's turn to do something like that kind of consistency is what blues music is kind of based off of and that's fine but the grateful dead took it to where when you're when you feel like you're done soloing let us know but let us know (laughs) by like by like working the main riff into the end of your solo before you're even thinking Mm -hmm. about being done with the solo let us know that you're done with it by working the main riff back into your solo and then with a couple minutes after that well you know we'll get back into it so you feel like song solo. If you don't feel like like there's there's songs where where Jerry doesn't like do anything and he just kind of harms and, and that's about it. And it's just I don't know. That's cool. I mean it I is really cool. It is very, very cool. But I'll get there one day. I'll get there one day. Man. I, I think what it is, I just need one thing that's really gonna blow me away. And then once I once I hear that, then I will be hooked and need to go listen to everything else. That's what that's what's gonna that's what needs to happen. I think like so. for me, that one thing that got me hooked was the fact that I got a lot of their albums when we started collecting for free. Like it was just a, a family friend that had oh that's right yeah. gone to a home, and so I felt obligated to listen to a lot of things. And I got I literally had like every single Ramones album that was given to me, like original pressings and everything, and then also like a lot of Grateful Dead stuffs. And so I felt obligated to listen and then also to like both of them. And I listened to a lot of Ramones. Yeah, I listened to so much fucking Ramones. And yeah, I could not I could not get into it. I really tried and I could not do it. Listening to the Grateful Dead stuffs, it was a little bit more it was a little bit more easy because that's just the style that we that we tend to like is a lot of instrumental driven It's more groove music. Based. Yeah. Yeah. And and we've hated the Ramones for a very long time anyway, so it was easy to get into the Grateful Dead. So I yeah, think, and Ramones I, also have much less groove. They're very much more straightforward than anything else. No, no they room were for jamming. They were a cool band. They were a cool uh, um, brand. Um, overrated in music. They were a cool <laughs> brand. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But the Grateful Dead, like I've, I, I read this when I first started getting the Grateful Dead, and it still makes sense today. But like the Grateful Dead is like black licorice. Black licorice. Most people don't like. It's gross. I don't want to even fuck with it. But people that like black licorice fucking love black licorice i feel like it's good that's a good comparison to the grateful dead it is 
that is that is good. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoy. I'm glad you enjoy this. I'm very happy that. God damn, it was so good. <laughs> I only took one bathroom break too the entire time. Damn, look at you. I know, dude. I was just I was captivated. <laughs> what were you doing? Just sitting in your your little chair yeah. right there next to the mini I didn't fridge. Have the, I didn't have the projector on or anything. Like I was just I was <laughs> dude. I was just so I was mesmerized. I can only imagine what this shit is like on fucking LSD or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I oh can, yeah, if you're really fucked up. I, damn. But like, like the way I feel about it, just by drinking minimal amount, I can't even imagine what it would be like if I was on like mushrooms or acid or something. <laughs> it's true. Maybe one day. Very maybe true. We'll, maybe we'll get friend of the pod Ryan to get his friends to give me some some drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and that nice um, dig. Nice dig. Yeah. That brings me to my my pick of the week, my pick of the week. All right, let's get I, into this trash. Yeah, this is this is Neil Young. This <laughs> is Neil Young. His album Trans, his twelve from nineteen eighty two. This is this is wild. This is fucking wild. He really goes for it with the synth sound here. It's like it's not tucked away underneath traditional Neil Young instrumentation. Dude, it is hard hitting eighty synth record, and it's fantastic. I can't believe you like this. It's I cannot shocking. either. I cannot either. I listened to this three times because I still did not know if I wanted to keep it. I didn't know if this was just like I'm on this Neil Young high or if I actually like this album. And <laughs> it's, dude, so, I, I, it's so crazy. Did you listen to the whole album? No, I have not listened to the entire record. No. Okay. So okay. So like oh so apparently his son his son was born with like cerebral palsy and the things oh, he did on this album also helped him at home with his son like like via like like various exercises to help him grow mentally physically and then also the massive distortion in his voice on the album represented like the difficulties in trying to communicate with his son so okay this album is crazy deep and dark and like honestly the more i read into it it's kind of like as dark if not darker than like tonight's night tonight's night it is very very dark <laughs> he was highly influenced by Kraftwerk which Kraftwerk is a German band that has been doing this type of sound for a very long time yeah I band that I don't I can't get into yeah. people love him though people friend, love him friend of the pod Sloan loves him and he's, he's you should listen to this album I said well you love it because of it sounds like it's, it's 80s everything they do is kind of I mean I shouldn't say I don't know much about them but everything they do sounds like 80s which is fine whatever <laughs> Yeah, but there's a come on, there's a couple more conventional Neil Young tracks on this album, but like honestly, they're the weakest tracks because they try to be '70s Neil Young with synth rather than being like a synth '80s shit featuring Neil Young. And so synth '80s shit. <laughs> the song that I chose was a Buffalo Springfield song that Neil Young wrote. I just felt like, did I say Neil Young weird? Neil Young? Neil no, Young? No, you said it right. No, you said it right. It was the, the the song that I chose, Mr. Soul, was a Buffalo Springfield song that Neil Young wrote. And it's just it's really dope because you can still hear his iconic like he's he has a grungy, deep, distorted guitar tone. That's like the best way to describe it. It's a grungy, deep, distorted guitar tone. It's that's yeah. what it is. It's it's there. It's underneath like the synth. It, but it's not it's not like Mr. Soul with 80s tinge to it. It's a completely reimagined Mr. Soul 80s rendition, just like featuring that grungy, deep guitar distorted sound underneath it. 
And I think mm-hmm. he just, I think that's what makes him so fucking good. What makes him so ballsy is that fact that he, he's been doing the 70s thing and even like the country 70s thing. Like nobody was really doing kind of incorporating country music into that sort of rock and roll 70s stuff like Neil Young did. And he did it. And then Comes a Time comes out, right? That was like 76, 77. And oh, Neil yeah, Young's that's a been, fucking record. Like Neil Young had been doing the folk music, been doing the rock music, and and he was excelling at it. And then he releases this like country shit, and everyone's like, "What the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> this is not what rock stars are supposed to do." And it slayed. It was fucking fantastic. So Neil Young mm-hmm. is no, he, he's not a stranger for just like going all in on something, and that's what trans is all about. Like this, I don't know. And then also like this, 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 these songs stem from him also leaving reprise or reprise records Mm -hmm. and signing with geffen he had tracks written and instead of like redoing shit he went back and synthesized the old tracks and he was gonna name the project island in the sun that's what the that's what the original that's what the thing was supposed to be called so he went back he synthesized all these old tracks he presented it and fucking what did geffen do they flipped their shit they sued his ass they said because this was the first <laughs> this was the first of two albums that Geffen sued Neil Young for because they weren't commercial enough. And obviously Neil Young is like, nah, I'm not gonna have any of this shit. That suit was eventually dropped. And David Geffen himself called and apologized to Neil Young for putting him through all that because that was completely <laughs> wrong. And like you don't fuck with Neil Young. You just don't. Yeah, I know. Twelve albums in that have all been wildly successful and then yeah and then neil young's next album is called everybody's rockin it's his rockabilly album that is like consistently ranked as one of the worst albums ever made not by neil young no in general oh now i gotta hear that (laughs) i know i'm dying i'm fucking dying to hear that because trans i god i think trans is so good and you start reading like more and more reviews and on the surface trans people paying it because oh this is just typical 80s shit first of all this is 82 this is not like 87 88 this is 82 like 80s just like started getting traction we're just kind of getting over the 70s 82 is still pretty early so yeah, yeah the fact that this is very synth sounding is is still kind of impressive because we're still in the early 80s here and honestly dude like you get more into this album it is really, really good. I gotta, I gotta listen to it. I, I, I really do, and I'm very curious about it. But the little bit I've heard, the couple songs you've thrown at me, I, I don't think I would ever go back to it. That's the thing. I, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy it because of that. It's, it's, it's one of those you gotta throw on front to back and get the full experience and realize, like, damn, he actually was really being Neil Young but just adding some synth stuff to it because <laughs> he was in a fucked up place. I dig. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to play a little bit of, uh, of the song, Mr. Soul from the Neil Young's. So here it is. Here we go.
There you go, Neil Young, song Mr. Soul from Trans, his record Trans, so 1982. <laughs> Dude, his guitar tone, though, I mean, outside of the synth, his guitar tone is fucking solid. That, like, his leads on that guitar solo, too, it's, it's good. I'm just, I'm having such a hard time with this one. I'm so conflicted. Because this is, this is against everything I know and believe. And I know. And this is just such a, a curveball into all of it. It's tough. It's it's a tough one. Nichols I'll, I'll had it, this today this, for like five dollars too. I think it's how much you paid for it, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's because I I've seen another copy of this as this at White Rabbit as well. After I got this copy for you, another one popped up like a week later. Dude, this is just right. it's this whole like era of Neil Young is is unreal. And then there was this whole like concert film thing that he did too because of this released like a year or two after. And it was mm-hmm. just it was just like a, a live video thing that he made from clips of of like the concert thing of this. And it was yeah. just like everything about it was was so weird. And and the encore of that tour that he did with this album ended up being like another show it wasn't just like three or four songs it was like an entirely different show where he, he would invite like his friends his family to come up and just essentially play like an entirely second set if not more than the first set and so it was just like the guy was just doing whatever the fuck he wanted <laughs> and in true I mean, like yeah, 80s fashion like too it, yeah. that 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 movie that concert thing was only released on laserdisc and then was like discontinued oh, for course. many many years and like i don't know it's so fucking cool i guess in From hindsight I, it's cool but i i heard something i don't know how true it is but i heard something a couple of days ago that laserdisc apparently was huge 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 in europe but it never quite caught on here in the states and that's why it died so quickly but i guess in the in europe yeah you can find a lot of european laserdisc movies because it was huge there I have I a tub full of laser discs in the garage. They're, they're fucking you still trash. have those? Yeah, you nobody still... wants them. They're trash. Because <laughs> nobody has a laser disc player. Because <laughs> everyone has a fucking DVD player. Or they stream. Nobody has a DVD player anymore, unless you have a PlayStation or an Xbox. I have like nobody four DVD player. players in my house outside of just the gaming consoles. 
but why you have no need for them anymore I would the office that's where that's I, the projector has no DVD oh, player on true. it so yeah, yeah the true. office that's is where all true. the DVDs are that's true that's true I'm tiny man like really really I'm just gonna buy this for you next time I go to Nichols and you're gonna listen to it and just no, give it a chance <laughs> it's five dollars my god I know I know but it's five dollars too much right now just it's five fucking dollars oh and then yeah I didn't even talk about I also have one more that I listened to twice today. That's that's Blue by Weezer. I listened to that. I, I literally oh, yeah, listened yeah. to it twice today. As yeah, soon as I got home. That. So yeah, we I, local record store had all the MoFi's that Weezer put out. So I, I Tyler bought Pinkerton, but that wasn't a MoFi. It was just the the deluxe set, four discs, had all the B sides from the Pinkerton era, which is just their best songs. Like legit, the Pinkerton B sides are their best songs outside of the concept of Pinkerton. And then you got also got red album, which is, it's a good. Album. I love red. Yeah, red, red fine. is red. I love red so much. Oh, they also had a, 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 a seven inch pork and beans too. I almost bought it today. <laughs> I should have just bought it. God, I was on just, yeah. Oh. You were on a crazy roll today. I you know, bought way would, more than I was expecting you were to buy. I know for you. And, to then, buy. and then I bought the MoFi line in the witch EP, which is just six, six songs during like the maladroit era. And then I bought uh, Blue, the Blue album, MoFi. And it was like we both had the the Blue album, and it's just it's a fine we copy. Like, it's just we super have like quiet. the sixteen dollar version, yeah, yeah, just super quiet. And I listened to the MoFi one today twice, and like clearly, it is a better sounding copy, but it kind mm. of tested the limits of of my of my like stylus because, like, I know. I know the highs should be crisper and I know the lows should be more full sounding, but I think it's mm-hmm. like my record player. Like this is the first time I finally, I think I only have one other MoFi. Oh yeah, it's a Grateful Dead MoFi. But because I'm so familiar with the way blue albums should sound, I think I finally understand the limitations of my record player. And today Oof. was it. Does that mean an upgrade is in the, f- is yes coming? It does. Cool. Because a with, whole new, with, a whole new, like you know, a new, a new turntable, a new, like a, a brand new preamp, speakers, everything. Like you're gonna go full, full yeah. blown. It'll, it'll start with a turntable for sure. And I think I'm gonna bring the blue album to Aldo because, because I'm so familiar with it. Because I know that thing like the back of my hand. I know what mm-hmm. it should sound like. I know what it can sound like. I know what it, it's capable of sounding like. So therefore, yeah. I, I can I can really pick up on on the weaknesses of the turntable. So I think that's going to be like my standard now. And I shop for speakers, a preamp, a turntable, whatever. Is bringing that blue album to whatever record store, probably um, Uncle Aldo's attic, because I trust him and his 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 stuff that he has there. But yeah, 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 I was I was very surprised at. I mean, obviously, it didn't sound bad by any means. It sounded fucking fantastic. But I was like, wow, I think I need better. Sp- better turntable better stylus better speakers i don't know because like only in dreams for instance like that bass part like it sounded like mm-hmm. a bass player it sounded great but i said you know what the mofi should i know the mofi should sound better than this <laughs> but that, that's a good call go, taking it to to aldo's and having play it on on his setup yeah because he has a nice setup i mean even it, w- it was funny like when when i was out there and we were but that whole Dick Hyman thing came up, came up in the Moongas record. Yeah, and he threw on Moongas. When he played Moongas on that, I was a little taken aback. I was like, "Wow, this sounds way better than than my <laughs> setup at home." Like, 
Fuck, man. Yeah, I, I that that's a really good call. That's like the difference, I guess, is is why people spend money. I actually ran into a guy at his place too, where this guy's been spending the last like four or five years perfecting one room in his house that has one chair in the middle of the room oh and all of the speakers and everything. He's like some like science engineer and everything mm. is, is, is pointed towards this one spot in the room to where if you sit in that chair, you're getting the best possible quality of music. The door has to be closed. And he says, there's only mm. one chair in the room. He showed me a picture of it. It's just one chair in the fucking room and a little tiny table with all the remotes that he has. So even if somebody wants to listen with him, they can't because everything is pointed towards this one chair in the room to where oh that is God. the maximum amount of like sound you could possibly get from everything that he has. And he said he spent like thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 on this thing. That is fucking stupid. And I was just like, cool, man. Like, that's that's super dope that you have, like, disposable income to be doing that. I just, I can't <laughs> imagine I'll ever be at that point. Yeah, there's there's no way. But because there, not but, only that, you have to, yeah, I don't know. But it is possible, though. Like, that, that's where this, this this hobby can take you, you know? Like, it's, it's not just about the physical collecting aspect. It's not just about listening. But it's there's a higher quality aspect to this where, the, like, literally the sky's the fucking limit almost. That's why some people spend five hundred dollars on a stylus, just a stylus. And that's dude, that's that's vindication for the collecting of records. Yes, yes. God, what a dumb hobby! I hate it so much. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> I want to. I want to. I just. I want to upgrade my setup so bad, but it's so much work. Not work, just money money it's the monies yeah it's, it's hard, it's, hard. It, it's re- it really is hard to throw money at something that is not necessary at all yeah 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 it, it makes more sense for you because you have a lot of the space for it like me i'm not ready to upgrade yet because i i'm very condensed to where i listen so i don't need a i don't have room and i don't need a huge setup just yet all right, so you got your MoFi Blue. Yeah. Now, w- with that, let's get into my stuff real quick. Don't have a ton of stuff, but um, let's see here. So first thing that came, comes up here is Outcast. Oh. Finally, uh, listen to AT Aliens, second record from August 1996. And, uh, I mean, we did a whole fucking episode on this damn record. So that was like two months ago, if that. So go listen to that episode if you really want to know what the album's all about. I'm not going to get into it too much, but... I mean, this is a great pressing. I, I there was no issues with it. I, I actually enjoyed my listen through of this much more than when we did the record on the podcast. I will say that. Well, it's because, because like, we talked about it. Like you know, know yeah, more yeah. more about it, and there's more feeling to it. Yeah, it's good. And there was a lot of Outcast being listened to that week anyway. Yeah, with the other records. So, uh, so yeah, got that one. Listen to it. Um, next one here, BB King in London. This was uh, this is one of his records that he put out. Came out in October 1971. This is one that you talked about recently. Uh, has a bunch of guest musicians like Ringo Starr, Peter Green, Steve Winwood, uh, and this one didn't get a lot of good reviews, which is silly boy talk. I mean, the Isn't only that song crazy? that was questionable, yeah, the only song that was questionable was the first one, and I was like, oh god, here's like some jazz fusion sounding stuff, and I was just almost instantly turned off. But then after that, it picks up and it picks up real good. And uh, it's just really good, jammy, blues mu- blues rock music. I loved it. I thought this was fantastic. I have no problem with this at all. 
It makes no sense that that because it, it, it got really like bad reviews for a BB King album featuring a lot of guest musicians. And I know. I I, no I, I only think it was just because in the seventies when when everyone else is doing hard rock and metal that he like doubled down on the blues sound and said fuck it, let's just get back to basics and do something crazy bluesy. That's exactly what this was. It was fantastic. So whatever, fuck the fuck the. You know, critics, whatever they're dumb anyway. They they know nothing. That's Only true. us. We know no, everything. That's true. That's that's also true. <laughs> so um, the next one here comes from the White Stripes. This was a very uh, impulsive purchase this week. You hit me up earlier this week saying you got to buy this. It's super cheap, which it's it was so cheap off Amazon. And uh, it's the white it's White Blood Cells, their third record from July two thousand one. You you got your copy right? Yeah. Like the fucking next day. Yeah, yeah, no, I got mine the next day too. Yeah. Got mine the next day too, and it's a it's a double LP, and um, I <laughs> this I was surprised at how how crisp and just dynamic sounding this record was. It's uh it's not like some records you listen to nowadays are just so blown out, even like represses of certain certain records are blown out in certain points, but this one is just so perfectly balanced and it was it was fantastic. This is a this is fantastic, and I'm so stoked to have it. I'm actually good with my white stripes. I don't need any more white, stri- white stripes. I got this and Nicky Thump. I'm good. That's it. That's all. That's all I need. I'm very interested in the. Uh, there's a vinyl me please pressing of Elephant that I'm very mm-hmm. interested in because I want to hear a lot of those those like synth lows that Jack White was doing, especially yeah. with like like the hardest button to button, and then Seven Nation Army. Those are some like bass sounding songs that he did with the guitar, but like modulated them to get really, really low. So I'm interested in hearing those pressings, but there's no fucking way I'm paying you know thirty five dollars for that. Is it even still on? Is it still on VMP? I keep getting emails about it and advertisements on Facebook, so or on Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess maybe it's still up. It seems like a record that would have been sold out off VMP. Which is like who knows that 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 day Stigil still still album is sought after, which is I don't understand why, but yeah, I don't get that either. That's fine. I don't get it. So I got that one, and then uh, this next one, Sublime. I got this one. Uh, what I get this one, Nichols, right? Which one? Got is it, it, it when I was with you. The, oh, it's uh, Sublime. Sorry, uh, Sublime's uh, Bradley Knoll and Friends. Ah, uh, that. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. Nichols. Nick, Nichols. Wasn't it Nicholas? Say Nichols. 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 So this is uh, this is essentially like a live record, but it's just for the most part, it's just Bradley, uh, just on the acoustic guitar, drunk, high, you know, just having people in the audience sing with him, and and it was it's a it's like a, a compilation of recordings from 1991 to 1996. And it's it's really cool. There, he does some covers. Um, he does some Sublime stuff, obviously, and uh, it's just really really cool. The only the only negative thing is I wish it was more of a a live performance, like one a one time performance, not yeah. a compilation. But it's still very good. And I I had no idea, but they didn't release the vinyl until 2016. Yeah, first time it was ever pressed. So that's pretty cool. I had the uh... pretty pretty cool. I had this CD for a long time, and much like the um, the Steal This album by System of a Down, it was oh yeah, yeah, it was a clear cover, and it was just like a CDR, and it said like Sublime, and then Bradley Nolan Friends Acoustic or some shit like that. 
And it was I, I had that for like very, very long time. But dude, I've I love this so much. This is like this is why Bradley Knoll is my favorite guitarist of all time, is because of like something like this album. It's even when he is slurring his words, even when you know he's like at his low point in his life and he's gonna die pretty soon, it's just he has a way with these songs. Yeah. A real real connection between him and the guitar and something you don't see very often, that's for sure. And uh, yeah, I, I got this one. My my sublime is now complete. I don't don't care for anything more. Not that there's really anything more that is out there, right? There's nothing. Maybe some comps, but outside of that, there's nothing. Nothing else. No, that's all you really so, need. Is the big three, and then this one. Maybe some of the EPs, yeah. but they only have a couple EPs that I really want. Yeah, but the EPs they had. You know, it's like Boss DJ, and like that's a terrible song. Um. Anyway, so this last thing, you know, kind of keeping it surf themed, going into Dick Dale, Surfer's Choice, <laughs> debut record from November of '62. Uh, this was recorded live at the Rendezvous Ballroom in Balboa Balboa Beach, which is very local to me, at least here in Orange County. And uh, yeah, other, other than that, I mean, this is done live. There were some overdubs done at uh, at a studio afterward, but. This is kind of the introduction of Dick Dale. I mean, he was already very popular prior to this, to the point where he, like, he was selling out clubs and, and bars to where the, he started playing at this rendezvous ballroom, and then it would get so rowdy that they enforced like a dress code, and they had him yeah. turn down the amps and all this kind of bullshit. And I mean, it was 1962, and people were crazy back then, but I mean, it just it's so stupid. Really fucking stupid. Watch where the and bounce then, came in. They, the people would be jumping up so much. Like the entire yeah. crowd would be jumping up and down. So the entire venue would be bouncing up and down. It's fucking crazy. It is. Oh, God. Can you imagine being in Orange County, in the beach cities, in the early 1960s? Stupid. What a cool, what a cool fucking. I mean, we grew up here in this area. And can you, I just, I can't even imagine how different it was from the 90s and early 2000s compared to the early 60s. Just, like, just, it's, ah, dude, I'm so like, just. Like, oh, literally like, going from a concert or like even surfing all day and then going to a concert at night. Like, that's without having to worry about traffic, parking, anybody else. Like, that's. Yeah. Like, that's why California could be the greatest place to live on the face of the earth. Yeah. Ugh, what a waste. Uh, and then I've, I've, I've even seen like, you know, I mean, I've always seen over the years, but back in the 60s, you could actually park your car on the beach. Yeah, like right, you, you could you could You could drive right up into the water, up onto the water, and then just get out and set your shit up and go surf or do whatever you want, you know, have your family out there. You didn't have to like go into like a concrete parking lot, then walk a mile to the fucking beach because it's Fair, so dude. crowded. You got like reserve yeah. a, a, a cabana at Pismo Beach for three years in advance to do anything close to that. <laughs> Silly boy talk. <laughs> oh man, I, I just I was actually at the beach earlier this week, and I don't go to the beach very often anymore. But I went there this week, and dude, it was so nice, man. It after beach not is going amazing. for for I mean, I, it's been like a couple years since I've properly gone and like gone into the water and shit. And man, dude, it was so nice. I, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me. I, I'm 20, 25 minutes from the beach. Why don't I go more? It's silly. It's so because, silly. It's because you're not 25 minutes from the beach. You're 25 minute drive, 15 minute parking, 
five minute walk, twenty a fifteen dollar fucking parking fee. Uh, yeah, Shoe bees yeah. constantly all over the beach, trash everywhere. But it's also because you know we grew up going to the beach multiple times a week. You know we grew up at the beach. Dude, bonfires. So that, at the that's beach another and thing. Like, hi, like right out of high school, during high school, and right out of high school, those bonfires went to the beach. Legit, oh, some got, of the, like the coolest things ever. Yeah, and it got pretty dangerous sometimes too. Propane tank. Remember the propane oh, when you, tank? Yeah. <laughs> when you're throwing fucking full propane the pro- tanks, and then the we fires. all ran. We all Man. ran. Oh, that was so dangerous. That was very stupid. Oh God. Uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, Dick Dale, Surfer's Choice. Um, I mean, we we've talked about him pretty extensively, and and his history, and I mean, eventually we'll probably do this record on the podcast. So yeah. I'm not going to go too too far into it, but. Uh, here's uh, the first song on the record, Surf Beat. It's a great, you know, introduction. If you've never heard Miserloo, this is a great in- introduction into it, into his music. So here we go from Dick Dale and his Deltones. Deltones. There you go, surf beat from Dick Dale and his Deltones. It's so good, man. It's so good, and you uh, you can almost hear like his reverb is so high, so high on his amp. It sounds like it's wet. Like that's the best way to explain the amount of reverb that is on his guitar. It sounds like he's hitting water. I don't know. It's just, it sounds just moist or wet. I, don't know. I mean, it's a good. I think it's you'd good, agree, like, right? It's a good transition to what we're going to be doing on the album of the week. It's just this, the sixty surf rock, but yeah, like the reverb that that Dick Dale used. I mean, it was it was cutting edge technology. Like him and Leo Fender hooked up, and, and like Leo Fender had to make amps for <laughs> Dick Dale specifically because he'd blow them out because he played so fucking yeah. loud and so aggressive that every amp that Leo Fender had given to Dick Dale, he'd blow out. 
And so that's yeah. what pushed and Fender to be it better. The heavier, the heavier strings too have it to have that that deeper tone. Just really just destroyed the fuck out of his speakers. Dude, like legend has it, he'd melt guitar picks. Like he'd go through a pick a song. Like they would just melt into nothing <laughs> because he was so goddamn fast. I know, it makes sense. It really honestly makes sense with how fucking Ugh. fast he was playing. It was so cool. <laughs> yeah. The, Dick Dale was one of a kind, man. And then he'd go out true, surfing the rest of the pioneer. day. He probably hit yeah. the studio. Dude, he probably hit the fucking studio in the morning and then lay down all these insane tracks and then go surfing at, in the evening and like till the sun went down. And then played a show probably that night. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, so come rad, man. on. It's so rad. <laughs> it makes me want to watch Endless Summer, man. I fucking love that movie. I know. It's been a while. Do you, um, wait, did you ever end up getting that on vinyl, the soundtrack? I'm, I'm holding out for an, for an original. They, they they repressed it last year in 2021, but I'm holding oh, out for an original okay. pressing. Have you ever come across one? I don't remember. No, I've come across an 80s pressing, and it was like 70 yeah. bucks. Oof. Yeah. Which, honestly, like, if I saw an original pressing for like 70, I'd buy it. I, I, I probably would. Dang, you're getting wild, man. It's just, there's too much, like, nostalgia for that. There's, it's, it's too good of a soundtrack. The movie's fantastic. Being from Southern California, <laughs> there's, there's, there's too much involved where I wouldn't buy it. Yeah, that. that's true. Yeah. Especially being from Orange County, more specifically, Orange County, where. Dude, Huntington yeah, that Beach is the capital of the world. Like, come on, <laughs> I know. I and that's literally where I was. I was in I was in Huntington Beach this week, and it was. What were you uh, doing in Huntington Beach? Uh, we took the dog to the dog beach because he's never been to the water, and he fucking hated it. He hated it so much. So, so yeah, and then we went, and then we drove down to uh, Dana Point and had dinner in Dana Point. Mm. So, yeah, it was nice. We drove down PCH from Huntington Beach down to. Dana Point, it's like a good like 30, 35 minute drive. You go through Crystal Cove, Laguna, so you get all the nice sights and views. It was really nice. It was really fucking nice. I haven't done that in years. <laughs> but yeah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. <laughs> Since some like mountain biking slash sandpiper days. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we we actually almost stopped at Sandpiper because Danny oh. likes that place a lot too. Yeah, we almost stopped there and then we're like, no, let's just keep going and, and we'll just hit whatever restaurant we see and we just ended up in Dana Point. But yeah, we almost stopped there. Oof. Just for like yeah, just for fun, but whatever. One day. You you and I will have to go back. I mean honestly yes. we have to go back for a beer too. One it's gotta day. happen. Hennessy Sandpiper night, sure. Dude, that'd be that would be fun. That would definitely be fun. So that's all I got for vinyl. All I got for vinyl. And uh, so let's just jump right into uh, some new music. Other happenings in the music world. Sound good? Yeah. No, that's that's where the natural progression of this podcast leads us. Sure. Okay. So we got a few songs here. Uh, they're all, none of them I like. I mean, did you, were you able to listen to all of them or no? I listened to just uh, the first one. Just the first one. Okay, fun. Yeah. This should be fun. Um, so the first <laughs> one comes from uh, this group called Russian Village Boys. Uh, features Jimmy Pop from Bloodhound Gang. It's called Daddy What the Fuck. And uh, it's stupid. It's so dumb. But I mean, it's always nice to see Jimmy Pop. Yeah, it's it's what you'd expect from anybody that has a song featuring Jimmy Pop. <laughs> yeah, it's very Euro dance. A lot of kind of what you innuendos. It's Jimmy Pop yeah. doing Jimmy Pop. A lot of uh, track suits, Eastern European track suits. Um, Adidas track suits, I should say. Uh, it's very... Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's what you would expect. It's nothing nothing great, but 
Just thought I'd throw it up there in case anybody is interested. Uh, let's see here. Or what, what do you think about this one? Anything else on this song? No, I, I, I didn't think it was great by any means. I didn't think it was good. But I didn't think it was bad. It was just, I don't know, I don't was, care. Yeah, okay, all right. I just, I just wish Jimmy Pop would do more musically. He's just one of the great lyricists. That's what he is. He's great. He's funny. Um, so this, this next thing here, people, some people are very excited about it. Uh, Tool, the band Tool, put out a new song called Opiate, Opiate Squared, I guess, Opiate 2, whatever you want to call it. Um, very pretentious, but that's fine. Uh, it's a nine, min, nine and a half minute song. And uh, I mean, if you've heard Tool, you've heard this song. It's uh has a lot of build up, not a lot of relief. Just build, 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 build. Uh very That's long cool. kind of uh just centerpiece of the song where it just kinda doesn't go anywhere. I don't get tool. There's some screaming, which is kinda nice, kinda throwing it back to the very early days of tool. Toward the end there's some screaming. Um but yeah, otherwise the song sucks. It's not that great. So but who knows? People like people like the tool. It is. Whatever. It is interesting to note that we do have the opiate EP on the vinyls. True. Yes, so, and it's not bad. That's why honestly, kind of, it's it's not bad at all. I think that honestly, the op the opiate EP that we have is the best thing Tool has done. That I, and I Ten Thousand Days. Disagree. From what I remember, from Ten Thousand Days, that was like the best full length record they had. I think. Maybe I said, "What do we do? Anemia?" I don't know what we fucking did on the pod. I don't remember. It was it wasn't very good though. Yeah, it was fine. throwaway album. It was fine. Yeah, forgettable, forgettable. <laughs> Except for that one bass line, the one bass line in um, Schism. I think that's the song. <laughs> Maybe. You know, you know that bass line that I doom 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 doom. That really kind of busy bass line that loops for eight minutes. Um, oh, cool. But yeah. Tool. There you go. <laughs> Opiate squared. And uh, this next one, it's uh, this is a terrible one. This is actually a really bad one. It's Machine Gun Kelly, Lil Wayne, and Travis Barker. All they put faves. out a song. They put out a song called A, and uh, it's like two minutes long, and it's pretty much just Machine Gun Kelly and Lil Wayne having their own verse. There's like nothing there. It's just kind of they. I don't even want to say they rap. It's just it's just dumb. It's just. There's no point. Why, why, why do this? And then I guess Machine Gun Kelly posted something like, there's some really crazy stories that came from this recording session. Because I guess they recorded three songs, but apparently it was fucking crazy. You know, all these guys in their fucking mid, 40, mid to late 40s must have been fucking nuts, right? Yeah. Um, dude, Machine Gun Kelly, man. Talk about a cuck. Uh, yeah, that's bad. So get into that. Check it out. And because Jeff, you know, has been negligent. That is that's true. okay. Very. Uh, this last thing here, I was actually pretty excited for this next song. It comes from the band Drugs. Uh, we've talked about them a little bit on the pod. I know we both we both like their their one record that came out in 2011. It was a solid record, and uh, this is the first song in 11 years now since that record came out. Yeah, 11 years, and it's called Destiny, and and it's 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 nothing, man. It just doesn't it does not catch me at all. It's it's boring, man. It sounds like a Feldy production. Just everything is just so kind of blown out. It's just I don't care for it at all. It was not. It was not good. I did not enjoy it. So, uh, if you've been waiting for, to listen to listen to a new drugs record, buckle up. You got one. What a, sh- what a shame! Like after so many years, and I I don't even remember how I got into drugs. 
But it's just, it's like, my God, dude, they were just right out of high school. I mean, like in the college area, like that one was so fucking good. It was so yeah. goddamn good. It's a really good record. It's fucking solid. Mm. But uh, yeah, this new song, not so much. What a shame. So that, that's all I got for new music. Um, let's see here. Some new, some other stuff that's been going on in the music world. Um, I don't think you we, you went through any of this, but Marilyn Manson released all pretty much like all the court documents about the allegations against him, and uh, and it definitely painted in a little bit. It painted in a different light about what actually happened. Not to say he's he's guilty or innocent, but it it definitely gives you a different perspective. I read I read a little bit of it, and uh, it was very interesting. Very very interesting. Did you read any of it at all? I mean, I've been Probably seeing not. seeing things pop up. I mean, there's a lot of stuff about about I, f- I can't remember her name, but her uh, talking about Marilyn Manson and how he would make her do things after she's at her lowest points. Yeah, like after like an abortion or after a fight, and he would still make her do things like cook dinner or clean or or whatever. So I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. I didn't read the the court documents or whatever. Not to say like the well, court documents are are gospel anyway, but yeah, yeah, they're they're not. But what they're the the what the perspective on these court documents is saying that now I forgot the the woman's name, but I guess she's like a very good friend of. I forgot what's the girl who's making the allegations. I can't even think. Of, Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah, she's a very good good friend of hers, and she was the one who actually started the the conspiracy or started the whole rumor that manson was doing this this or that and convinced evan rachel wood to go along with it and how it became how it's actually this giant conspiracy and how this this woman actually had hacked manson's email and all of his social media and everything and was creating fake emails and they have like evidence of fake like even in this documents they have like screenshots of fake emails and fake letters and everything that weren't written by evan rachel wood because they like even in the documents they even put like her handwriting next to the handwriting on these letters and they're not the same like these documents go pretty fucking deep and it it actually shows manson in a much better light than everything we've seen in the media and then it then in the documents too it brings up the whole incident where that suicide watch incident that happened like a few weeks after the allegations where the news, they had like helicopters circling his home saying he was barricading himself in the house. And apparently that was a fake tip from that woman saying that he was suicidal or something weird like that. And she's actually under investigation for filing a false police report when he actually that at that time, he actually had people friends over at the house and they were just like hanging out eating. Like they weren't doing anything weird. But she called in this fake tip, and it's pretty wild. Like, I read about like ten pages of it, and because I was like captivated, I'm like, "What the fuck?" But it, it definitely paints him in a much different light than what we've seen in the media, for what that's worth. I mean, it's so. it's. I mean, like people have been going after like the white and, and and Christian people have been going after Marilyn Manson since day one, and so yeah, it's yeah. it's it's almost like a like an uphill battle, and so when when something like this is going to come out. If it came out, it did come out. But now this is just just ammunition. Like, see, I told you so. I told you this was he was like this. And I say, well, no. Let's let's take a step back. Let's look at this objectively. Let's get to the facts. However, Marilyn Manson has had this this stigma to him since day one, and so he's he's yeah, fighting true. this uphill battle no matter what. And if mm-hmm. he's innocent, it's he's still getting dragged through the mud. 
if he's guilty, then like who gives a fuck? Fuck him. Who cares? But like no matter what, he's getting dragged through the mud, and that's yeah, that's not what like in America. That's not what like our judicial system is, system is about. Like you know the whole cliche of innocent until proven guilty. It's like that's not that's not what the internet does anymore, and unfortunately, no, yeah, it's... like I don't know all the facts about this case, but. I've seen a lot of things that point to Marilyn Manson being kind of the victim here, to be honest. It's just, I don't yeah. know. And you and I aren't even Manson fans. Like, I don't, I like some of his music. It's good. I mean, at least for me, I, I think some of it's really good, but I just, I, it's just <laughs> it's strange. <laughs> at all. I, I don't know. Just this, this whole thing just seems a little bit strange. And it is when, very when strange. She, when she was like, it seems like she was the only one that came forward about anything, but everybody else has spoken so highly of him. You know, friends, ex-girlfriends, ex-wives have spoken so highly of him. But yeah, she was the only one that came forward and then this stuff comes out. I mean, who knows? Who knows how much of it is real, but I don't know. It was really interesting. But yeah, if you're yeah. interested, go go check it out. Manson actually posted it on his Twitter uh, a few days ago, like the, the link to the like Google Drive of all the court documents. So I don't know. I know some people who listen like Manson or liked Manson at some point. So check it out. Um, and uh, let's see here. Les Claypool from Primus. He was on uh, the Eddie Trunk podcast a few days ago. And he said that, uh, you know, leading up to this whole Farewell to Kings tour that they're doing for Rush, um, they are, they, they've recorded three new songs and they're talking about doing, releasing them on a 10 inch. So look out for new Primus. We're going to be seeing new Primus soon. And that's fucking cool. So I'm on stoked. the vinyls, on the vinyls, on a ten inch, and uh, so check that out when it when it happens. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it too. And then uh, just something I wanted to throw out here real quick: uh, friend of the pod, Balin. He uh, he does he does these like <laughs> articles for a video game um, website, and I, I put this on here because it is music related. And what he did was he uh, he took, you know, the classic era of the Final Fantasy franchise, so six through ten. Final Fantasy six through ten, and he pretty much ranked like the best songs from those four games, and especially if you've played those games, you'll have this nostalgia hit. But um, but yeah, he he wrote this 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 really really I felt really interesting article, well written article about it. Uh, it's the the website is called Way Too Many Games, and or Way Too Many Dot Games. I'm sorry, and uh, I'll, I'll post it on the socials and stuff. But uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool, and uh, it's just cool how he kind of breaks down each song and why he ranked them where they where they are and. Yeah, I, I if you're in, if you're into the this kind of stuff and into you know Final Fantasy, which I know some people are, a lot of people are, you know, it's, it's a, definitely a good read. So, I mean, I, I go check I, it I will, out. I will say that I literally could not care less about these Final <laughs> Fantasy rankings. Like I could, I just could not. Yeah. But <laughs> damn, he wrote a lot of words, and it was pretty right? goddamn in depth. Like I was very impressed and surprised at just how much effort he put into this. And it almost yeah. makes you want to like read the whole thing, but because I've never played one Final Fantasy, I just can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get into it. I know I mean, the the ones I'm most familiar with are six through nine, or out of the out of these ones are six through nine, and uh, and yeah, I mean, I just reading through the songs and just remembering how they go, and then playing them sporadically throughout while I was reading, it just brought it all back, and I'm like, okay, this is why this song is so good, and. I agree. I mean, I don't agree with him on some of it, but yeah, a lot of it, I, I totally understand where he's coming from. It's uh, it's That's he cool. did a really good job breaking it down. No, he did a great job breaking it down, and 
Um, yeah, like I said, I'll post it on the socials. I already posted it on our Instagram or no, our Twitter. Uh, I, I reblogged his post, but I'll, I'll post it on our Instagram and, and shit like that. And Discord as well. So, um, yeah, if you're interested, check it out. The website is way too many dot games and, uh, look for, look for this, uh, this particular article. So get into that. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I got nothing else. Uh, do you have all. anything else? Nope. Nothing. All right. So I'm um, trying to keep the music, trying to be smooth, but I'm never smooth. Stretch, stretch. Really stretching. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, keep on listening. Tell all your friends and family. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, rate, review, and subscribe. Or just give us five stars. Fuck it. Who cares? You know all the socials. Um, I don't know. If you listen this long, you know everything. So that's it. That's all. Para ver así.